So wonderful to see you all. Um, I'm on a tour, actually, in the United States uh, because of my new book. Um, I live in Israel, and I'm the founder of the uh, Israel Insight Society. And um, as I was saying yesterday, I did an evening here. So those of you who were there yesterday, I'm just going to repeat a couple of things that I said yesterday. But um, the Israel uh, Insight Society is an amazing phenomena and a success story of the Dharma in a very difficult country and a difficult situation. There are, we have something like 45 retreats in the year with thousands of people taking part and classes all over the country and groups that go out to the Palestinian territories uh, and bring Israelis and Palestinians together and uh, groups that deal with um, with uh, um, meditation in prisons. Half the prisons in the country have uh, meditation groups. Uh, half the schools and it's an amazing success story, actually, and, and very alive, and all activities based entirely on dana, including all the retreats. Nobody gets charged anything, and we somehow survive. <laughs> we just about survive. Um, so we've been going 25 years. And so I just want to sort of bring that to you, because it's, it, it's just so sweet to have... Uh, um, such a thriving Dharma community in, 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 a, in a small country, uh, which is um, not an easy place in many ways, but you can see. And I think because of the, actually, the struggle there in Israel and the conflict and so on, a lot of young people are really hungry for another, um, for another way of life and for another meaning and for, um, and for another way of looking at things. So that the Dharma is extremely popular and dynamic. And uh, as I say, lots of young people coming out of the army, everyone serves in the army, come out of the army and they come to retreats, which is really great. Um, my own story, well, actually, um, part of my story was 19, 1996, I think. Um, the psychedelic revolution. I happened to be in America, uh, working at Stanford University. I'm a scientist originally, so I was working at Stanford University in 1966. Uh, and right next door was Palo Alto, and LSD at the time was legal, not illegal. And I was an innocent Oxford sort of academic student. And I got suddenly thrown into this extraordinary uh, psychedelic <laughs> uh, phenomena. So it's certainly one of the uh, points, or should we say milestones in my own spiritual life. Um, when uh, it opened something which uh, had been with me since childhood, which is that um, I can't, I couldn't say that there was a reality. It all seemed to be, from childhood, a um, construction. I wasn't sure what this being was. So, of course, when I met the 
psychedelic world, then uh, it opened up the same question. What's a tree, actually? If it's a kind of moving mass of color, then what's a tree? <laughs> Does it exist as a thing? Anyway, um, so my spiritual life was really uh, uh, continuing from then. I went to India in 1976, uh, where I met Dharma, the Buddhist teaching. And I love the Dharma because it's so simple. It's the most sophisticated, in my view, clear and uh, available teaching on ultimacy, on consciousness, on spirituality that's available on the planet today. Available, meaning not covered in layers and layers and layers and layers of interpretations and priesthood and hierarchies. It is true that the Buddhism of Burma or, Thai, or, or Thailand is indeed is a religious and there's all these layers of there. But still, it, the Dharma, I found, was available as a spiritual practice, um, which is very special. Um, so then uh, I went to Israel and for various reasons and started a village in Israel, which I'm still living there, in 1980. And in 1995, um, began, uh, initiated the Israel Insight Society, which I mentioned, and I'm the senior teacher there. Um, and um, so two years ago, I wrote this book, um, which in English is called What's Beyond Mindfulness, um, Waking Up to This Precious Life. And in Israel, it came out two years ago and, and under the title, a better title, Waking Up uh, in Daily Life, or Daily Life Awakening. And um, it's a quite, a, as I said yesterday, it's not a beginner's book. Um, it goes into the view of awakening. If we look at our life, this moment, or moments of difficulty, or moments of conflict, or moments of sickness, or moments of tiredness, or moments, or our aging, or struggle, or joy, or anything, with an awakened point of view, what does it look like? That's the book. But it also goes into awakening and into deep practice and so on. So it's not a beginner's book. It starts from the beginning. It's not sort of ABC on mindfulness. Um, and so I thought, well, it's just for the Dharma community. But it was 18 weeks in Israel, number one bestseller on the list of non-fiction books. 18 weeks, week after week, I looked at the newspaper. I couldn't believe it. And it just showed me the need and the hunger for another teaching. Um, so um, it was a great surprise. And as I said yesterday, I also, because of that, started to go to pubs and bars in Israel, because I was invited, and give teachings to young people uh, under the title Buddha at the Bar. <laughs> it's crazy. And that, by the way, in the States, um, some people in California said, you must write an article for a Buddhist magazine about that. And I have beautiful pictures of like 200 people 
in a bar with their beers on the table, going into deep quietness with their eyes closed as I was giving guided meditations in the bar. <laughs> so it, all of that is just to show you a kind of um, a picture of a snapshot of the Dharma in another context and another culture. And, and also where, a little bit where I'm coming from. So, um, um, I want to devote the day to equanimity. And um, what we're going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about equanimity, just an introduction now. And then we'll go into meditation uh, with some guidance. And um, then there'll be a break, and then I'll give a fuller talk on equanimity with some questions and answers. And then there'll be another meditation. There'll be a lunch break at one o'clock. And, um, and then more meditations in the afternoon, sitting meditation. We, I'd like to do a verbal exercise, uh, one or two. Um, and uh, there'll be a few many different kinds of meditations during the day. Of, but all around, really, the theme of equanimity. So, um, I think it's important for us to go beyond mindfulness, to know mindfulness is the language of today, and I'm utterly happy that it exists. It's an, a big blessing that the mindfulness movement has become a, such a dominant and popular movement uh, in the Western world. It means the Dharma has arrived after being out there. You know, it's, uh, it's only 50 years since the Dharma came into the West. And it's pioneers like myself and Jack Cornfield and Christopher and Joseph and, and, and um, others that brought the Dharma into the West. But it's only 50 years. But the, 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 the popularity of mindfulness has been great. Some people are really worried about it because it's too much like a package, you know, uh, kind of muck mindfulness. But I actually, I'm really del delighted. And I've been talking to a lot of monks, and, and they're also delighted because it give, it's a ground. So mindfulness is a gate, but we shouldn't forget that the gate is open to a garden. Now, what's the garden that mindfulness is the gate into? And uh, so I'm very interested in mindfulness as the beginning, and then what's the garden? And for me, equanimity is a really good example of where to go beyond mindfulness and what a kind of qualities that we develop inside the Dharma that are way beyond mindfulness. Um, just as a small example, I don't know if any of you um, have heard of the Satipatthana Sutta. It is the classical sutta of the mindfulness um, movement. Satipatthana, Sati is mindfulness, Patana is basis. So it's the basis of mindfulness, or the foundations of mindfulness. So um, the fourth foundation of mindfulness 
is four in the uh, sutta. One is body, second is feelings, third is mind and heart, and the fourth is dharma. So the fourth foundation of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta is all about qualities and understandings and deep reflection and deep knowledge and change in the personality that happens when you practice mindfulness. And here mindfulness is going into places which totally change the human being. And so it's clearly way beyond mindfulness as a technique. It's about what happens, for example, when you get up from meditation, which is not so much talked about. You meditate, say, you know, if you do, half an hour, 40 minutes. When you get up, what happened? And how have you changed? And what are the qualities that you learned in this, in this meditation period? This is an important question. And that brings you to beyond mindfulness. What difference is there in me because of this act, commitment of meditation? And it's an interesting question, not, not asked enough. And uh, it brings us to a place beyond technique, which is really important. Dharma is beyond technique. Dharma is more like the view of reality based on Dharma, which we all need. We all need. We need an expanded view of ourselves and the world. So, um, a few, just a few comments about equanimity, just to sort of introduce it, and then we'll go to the meditation. Um, we're living in times of stress, and times of anxiety, and times of confusion. Um, certainly, you know, I've never uh, experienced a period that feels more troubled uh, than today. Um, and uh, so it's, we do need some qualities to meet the challenges that we're facing in the world today, a world that is more anxious and troubled and confused and people are lost. Um, and so equanimity is one of these, I think, primary qualities that help us to navigate through difficult times. And that's why it's important. And it's, in, it's a quality which is there at the beginning of the Dharma and at the end. So just our ability to um, stay with difficulty quietly and experience difficulty differently from the usual reactivity of, oh dear, oh dear, oh, 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 it hurts me, oh, oh, I've got a problem, oh, I've got a struggle, oh, I don't have enough money, oh, people arguing with me, oh, uh, endlessly, oh, I'm too busy, oh, I, like my friend this morning phoned me, oh, I've lost my mobile phone, it's the end of my life. <laughs> <laughs> As you say in Yiddish, oi. <laughs> oi. So we need something to do with the oi. <laughs> and um, so right at the beginning, I think, we can learn from meditation 
and from our practice a certain steadiness to be with things. And, um, and it's certainly equanimity is certainly the highest quality of the Dharma. It's right at the end of the practice. It's the quality that is, if you like, the introduction to or the neighbor of final liberation, total awakening. Equanimity is the final quality. So, um, and I'll talk about that later. It's important, it, it gives, there's a importance the example of the, how the Buddha also regarded it as so important was the final, more or less the last words before he died. He said to his monks, be an island to yourself. Be an island to yourself and let the Dharma be your island. So he chose that more or less just before he died, as a kind of final, you know, final instruction. That, that's, that gives it importance. What he meant, I mean, I know that Image Island has a number of possible interpretations, but what he meant was, stand your ground, don't get swept away, be steady in the storm, like an island in the stormy seas, of life. Be steady, be independent. Viveka is independence. Don't get swept away by the herd mind, by what everyone else says, by what everyone else believes, by what everyone else feels. And in case we're talking about anxiety, worry, concern, don't get swept away. Stand your ground. So the Buddha was, you know, gave it real emphasis, very powerful emphasis, more or less his last words. So I, I think it also gives it power that it's an important quality that we have to learn in the Dharma, to stand our ground. By the way, the Dharma is not about collapsing, and not about running away and hiding at home and meditating quietly, or the world is crazy, I'm going to shut the door and just meditate on my cushion. No, it's about standing our ground in the world. So, um, we do need to meet our vulnerability, we need to meet our um, the non-safety that is in life from a place of steadiness. We need to be steady in the stormy seas. And that's the power of equanimity. There's a Theravada poem that says, um, life is like a seed balanced on a needle. <laughs> well, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a sort of example of vulnerability. Our life is just a seed balanced on a needle, on the, on the, on the tip of a needle. Like, we're, we're just, you know, so shaky, actually. We're just here for a moment in, in, in this life. And we're vulnerable. And uh, we do need to 
be grounded and be equanimous and be steady and be balanced. And it's an important quality. And then we can be with conditions of life instead of struggling against them. And this is a key issue. Conditions will change. We're not, we can't find absolute safety. But we can be steady and dance with the conditions of life. So, um, I want to start uh, meditation with uh, the refuge. And the refuge, uh, I don't know, um, many of you would know what the refuges are already, but refuge is a beautiful concept in, uh, in the Buddhist teaching. Um, and it's about finding our, um, our real home. And it's also about being steady. So, uh, it's an example and a ritual. Basically, it's a fundamental statement of um, commitment to the Dharma. But it's also refuge, meaning home, meaning a place to settle. So, in the tradition, there's three refuges. Refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha. And the importance of it is that if we try and find safety and home and protection in the conditions of life that are constantly changing and that we have no control over them, we are then building a life of struggle. We can't find refuge in changing conditions. So many of us naturally will say, I feel entirely at home if I have enough money in the bank, if my car works, if, if people are nice to me, if I'm okay at work, uh, if my family don't fight with me, if uh, there'd be another President of the United States or, or Prime Minister of Israel, if we can change that, change that in a few other conditions, then I can relax and feel <laughs> at home. We cannot go there. Life is full of change. Life is full of uncontrollable conditions. So instead, we have to find our home to be an island on things that don't change. What doesn't change, the first of them, is our simple awareness, our being. The, in a way, the big space in us, the bigness of our being of our consciousness. So that doesn't change, that's there. As long as we're alive, there's an awareness that will meet life. So that, that's a good place to be at home. 
And that's the Buddha. The Buddha mind, or Buddha nature, or Buddha body awareness is the first home. A second home, Dharma. The Dharma is the truth of things. The Dharma is the depth. The Dharma is the spiritual life. So if we find our home in that, it doesn't matter if we've got money in the bank or we don't have money in the bank or Trump is there or Trump is not there. It doesn't matter. Of course it matters, but we'll be at home because there's a, a deeper home, which is the truth of things. And we, we will not be thrown out of our house because of conditions, because we are, our home is made from deeper stuff the spiritual journey and the truth, a deeper truth. And Sangha, to a home in Sangha, is uh, here we are. It's you and me. It's uh, like-minded people. The people that support our journey, our inner, uh, and support what's important and what really matters. And that's a, also a beautiful home. It's right here now, in this room. So, I'm going to chant the refuges and then we will just spend a minute or two contemplating the refuge and feeling being at home with the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Then I'm going to read a small poem from my book as a kind of introduction to meditation. And then we'll go through um, uh, a meditation for 45 minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.